Welcome back, Washington State fans. It's time once again for more Bodaciously Bitchin' Bonus BS brought to you by Brett and Brent. Here they are, Brett and Brent. Welcome into another edition of some WSU Bonus BS. So, um, I guess we should talk about last episode that has not dropped yet simply because of technical difficulties. As soon as we finished recording it, it broke into about 370 uh, five or six second clips. So the audio is not lost. It's just going to take a, a while to piece back together. Uh, so so our full season preview might be a little like a week or two outdated by the time I have it set, but it's coming. And for now, we're here to talk about today's game against Oregon State. So Brent, good to have you back. And let's uh, let's talk about that opener. Yeah, got ourselves a, some exciting football tonight. Uh, a lot of questions to be answered and um it's gonna be good to good to see the kooks so absolutely um so so you prepared a show sheet for us with the um top 10 questions though i still think the first thing we should talk about is the news that just came out on twitter that you'd heard rumblings about that does appear to be true um the biggest bummer about tonight's game is it does appear that our best player max borgie will not be playing uh, I took a look at Theo Lawson on Twitter, and uh, he said that Borgie is reportedly dealing with an injury that will sideline him for the season opener. Uh, so hopefully it's not too serious, but definitely not what you want to hear on the eve of your first game, or on the precipice of your first game. No, not at all. And I, I didn't know if we were going to go into that or not. I mean, I kind of heard from uh, someone who kind of let me know that Aiden Ector was transferring into the team, who... Uh, we didn't talk about it in our last show because I had kind of gotten that, but one of the top recruits in school history due to some off-the-field stuff is walking on this year. Um, and I heard that, and so when he said, you know, hey, how does this game look if Borgie was out and kind of putting it out there, like, you know, Borgie's not going to play. Oh, I was man. like, oh, crap, that's a really credible, you know, that's not just some random person on the internet putting it out there, that's someone who's credible, so... I didn't pass it on to some people that I usually pass on some rumors to that I hear. Um, and yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Very disappointing. Certainly, because uh, it's it's the type of game, I mean, every game this year is one that's going to be a struggle to win. And, you know, I think at least as Coog fans, we're hoping to have some things to cheer for. And even in a bad game, Max Borgie's touches are something to cheer for. So uh, no good that we don't get to do that. Obviously, we hope this is just a one-week thing. Um, does your do you have any information on whether, like, the severity of his injury, or are are you as? No. Uh, um, I, I don't think it's an opt-out. I mean, that's that's the the one thing I've gathered from it. It was something. Um, though, if this was kind of going around middle of last week, uh, my suspicion is if he was injured to a point to where he'd be out for the middle of last week, and we haven't heard of any positive COVID tests on the team, my guess is it's an injury that's severe enough to cause him to miss some time. But that's totally me piecing together the information and just saying, uh, if they knew he was going to be out for this week a while ago, uh, it's something that may take a while to come back from. 
Yeah, it sounds like um, the local scribes are as in the dark as we are on this. So hopefully, hopefully that theory is not correct. But I suppose we'll probably find out. You know, someone someone will leak that out in the next week or two, since we now know he is hurt. Um, all right, so I feel like we should just jump into our ten questions, unless you have any objection. No, let's go. All right, so we've got a quarterback. Uh, Jaden Delora will be taking snaps for the Cougs. And <laughs> I like your question here. Is he good or is our quarterback room that bad? Um, you mentioned that Delora has more experience in the run and shoot than either Cooper or Cruz. Um, but is he really head and shoulders above the other two players? Like, did he win by default or did he win because he won the job? And, I mean, when you consider the fanfare that Cam and Cooper came in with and you know that uh, I get, you know, big eyes for Gunnar Cruz's rainbow Russell Wilson deep balls, it's uh, personally, like, my first thought is maybe this isn't the best thing because, uh, like, Cam and Cooper honestly should be something by now. And the fact that he's not seems like something we should be worried about. Yeah, I mean, I... I... My instinct is not to get optimistic on this. Um, this is the first time we've ever started a season with a true freshman at quarterback starting. And he's only the third true freshman to start in school history. Uh, one being Drew Bledsoe in 1990. Mm-hmm. And while Drew Bledsoe went on to a great, have a great career, he was not a great freshman quarterback, you know, as a true freshman. And Jeff Toole as well. Uh, who also actually started an NFL game, um, that was, you know, out of necessity rather than uh, doing it from a position of strength. So I, historically, this has not been a good thing. Um, I haven't seen Delora play, and I hope he's he's good. I like the mobility he brings to the offense, and he has a level of understanding which may help. And uh, without spring ball... Um, or really, I think spring ball would have been really beneficial in a lot of ways for Cooper, Cooper and Cruz because they could have worked with the receivers on campus over the summer in an offense that they'd gone through for an entire spring with. And that could have given them an opportunity to get better in the offseason. Um, but, but I completely agree with your assessment that this is probably not a good thing. Um, but I'm I'm hoping Delora proves us wrong. So I'm feeling like if we want to take the glass half full silver lining look at this thing, um, Rolovich realistically probably knows they're not looking to win a bunch of games this year. He's just trying to implement his system, get his guys in, and and get his system uh, up and humming. So you know, again, since since this is since this year nobody's losing eligibility, maybe I'm wondering if Rolovich is considering that um, Delora maybe has more upside than Cooper and Cruz, which on one hand has its own set of problems, but perhaps he's seeing it as this is an opportunity to basically get a free year of experience for him, where the outcomes don't matter and he really gets a chance to learn on the job um i mean like i said i'm looking for the silver lining here do you think that may be something that crossed rolovich's mind i think rolovich is probably trying to win as many games as possible um because you never want to you never want to be the guy who like 
purposely loses in order to build for the future kind of an idea. I think you play your best players. Um, the other interesting thing with Rolovich is he's been very open about the fact that he has no issues pulling a starter and putting the backup in, which is a very different psychological approach than Mike Leach. Leach was, you're my starter, and I'm going to play you through your struggles. And, you know, if you're getting pulled, it's it's pretty significant. I think we'll probably see two quarterbacks tonight. Um, and I don't know if that helps or hinders a quarterback if they get a little tentative or press because they want to stay in the game and they're worried about the bench when they should just be worried about playing football. So um, I think there are people who have different philosophies on that and both have been successful. Um, I lean more toward the leech approach of pick your guys, trust them and, and really make any changes in between games as opposed to, you know, constantly yanking your quarterback out because he has a couple bad series. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I think this year, just uh, I think they're going to try to throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Right. Well, and obviously important to his success would be keeping him upright. Um, talk a little bit about the matchup that Abe Lucas and Liam Ryan have tonight against OSU trying to make sure Delora stays on his feet. Well, Oregon State's defense was pretty terrible last year, um, so it's easy to forget the fact that they had uh, the lead, the nation's leading tackles for loss uh, defensive player in an outside linebacker, Hamilcar Rashid, um, and he was number three in the nation for sacks. So he has been a disruptive force in the past. Um, he was pretty neutralized against the Cougs last year because he was pl- playing with a broken hand, but he didn't really impact the game much. So, but that was when the offensive linemen uh, for the Cougs were used to the air raid drop back and one on one in it um, with wider splits. And so this year, uh, they're going to have their hand in the dirt at times. Uh, their drops are going to be a little bit different. They've got a I think it's more of a zone blocking scheme on offense. I mean, we won't really know until we see him play. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how they hold up against one of the best pass rushers in the conference, probably the best. And I think if they handle this matchup, that's a really good sign for things to, to come, um, that we know that no matter what's going on, teams are going to have to bring pressure in order to get pressure on Delora. Um, but if our linemen are getting beat, um, with dropping three or dropping four pretty consistently could be a very long year for the offense. So at least we have a, a difficult test in this area, which we think is a strength in week one, because um, I'll relax about it after this. And sure, yeah. Right, there are certainly plenty of things to worry about this year, but it would certainly be nice to know if, that the offensive line uh, isn't necessarily one of them. Um, now, this the, the next point you make here uh, obviously came before we had the, the news that Max Borgie was going to be out, but I feel like we should talk about it more in a general sense of when he's going to be when he's going to be healthy. Um, so basically, the run and shoot does not really rely on feeding the running back in the passing game. So. You know, the issue of Max Borgie's touches is going to be a little different because, I mean, last year he got his touches, you know, 10, 20 a game, maybe eight rushes and 
10 passes, stuff like that. Um, so how how many times do you expect Max Borgie, when he's healthy, to be touching the ball in a standard game? I don't know if I have an expectation because I'm not familiar with what Rolovich does. Um, I'd like to see him touching the ball about 20 times a game. Do you think um, we can learn that, anything from tonight's game with the backups, or do you think his do. method would um, be different um, when he's got his horse in there? Yeah, I think I think you do kind of understand it, because um, Dion McIntosh is a workhorse type back, and uh, Jovenzi Bazil is going to be a change of pace home run hitter type. So you have guys you can give the ball to, um, but particularly, you know, if we only run the ball like ten times with our backs, and they get maybe a pass between them, I think that's a sign that production from the running back slot is going to go down. Um, I don't know if you were aware of this, but the team's leading rusher returning is Max Borgie, but he's also the team's leading receiver coming yeah, back. That, doesn't, that honestly doesn't surprise me, given... I mean, as much, as much, Leach is not a feed-the-ball kind of coach, but I feel like Max Borgie was kind of fed the ball last year as much as I've ever seen a Leach offense try to get the ball in someone's hands, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, and they do it a lot through the passing game. I mean, when you got a player like that, you want them to touch the ball. <laughs> exactly. And so I kind of think that we're going to be looking at a situation where um, is this a team where, because the quarterback runs the ball more than the, the run and shoot. And how many of those, you know, how many plays are just going to be either designed runs for Delora, who scoots and runs pretty well? Um, not only is he fast but he's also pretty agile and can make a guy miss an open space which is not something we've ever seen maybe in a quarterback at wsu sure yeah uh, i mean imag- I, I could not imagine luke falk trying to run that kind of offense i mean <laughs> no i mean even garner Minshew, who was fast i mean wasn't really a make you miss right kind of- i mean i mean honestly you know luke falk made edgar martinez look like usain bolt so yeah well they had some <laughs> slow guys you know gordon i mean yeah, I mean, Gordon had that, like, Aaron Rodgers' ability to avoid a sack, but yeah, he was not a burner, like, nobody thought he, nobody would expect him to take off, so. Well, and, and we'll see how it works against college guys, but I mean, Jaden Delora, I, I don't know if he's, like, so much a speedy guy, but he can put a move on and change direction with a juke or something like that, which, I don't know if we've ever seen that from a quarterback before, so. I mean... Right. We like to pass. We don't. We don't really run with our quarterback. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Give a running back the line him up behind center. So, well, well, obviously the run is more important to us this year, but it's very important to Oregon State, who has Jamar Jefferson, one of the best running backs in the conference. Um, he's averaged over five yards a carry in his college career, and as we might remember, the Cougs are not exactly a stellar run defense. So, uh, I don't know what's what. What in your opinion would be a good performance by the Cougs against Jefferson today. Keep him under a hundred yards, 150, 200. What, what like I say after 150. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some of the reason later on, but uh, Jamar Jefferson has been a guy who throughout his career has averaged five yards a carry at least. Um, and he's, he's proven he can be a workhorse type back. Um, so we're learning a new defense uh, it's always hard to tackle in week one, and 
I get the feeling that if we can just stop them on critical third and short type situations, you know, third and two, third and three, mm-hmm. uh, where Oregon State is used to just being able to hand it off to Jamar Jefferson and get that first down, I think, um, I think that's a win. The problem is why I'm not setting a yardage goal is because they could get us, you know, out of position and pop one for like 75 yards. And there's the majority of that, you know, big yardage game, you know, comes on one run. I mean, Jefferson's capable of doing that. So if we can stop him in crunch time or force him to fumble, I think we've done a good job. And I think the defense, uh, particularly the run defense, is going to get better as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so let's move on to wide receivers here. We're talking, you know, a li- we talked a little bit about this uh, in the last episode, which has not been posted yet, and I will still do my best to piece together. But, um, you know, we were mentioning before that, that Rolovich is not really like Mike Leach, where he just has, he wants to have like 10 good receivers and rotate them through and always have the fresh legs on the field. Rolovich kind of has his favorites. He has his go-to guys. Um and, and um, you know, that could really affect the way they play. He's going to rotate less, uh, less than Leach. So, you know, perhaps they could lose a step late. And um, not only that, like, first of all, I want you to talk about that. And second of all, something that kind of surprised me looking at the depth chart was for all the love that Joey Hobart has gotten, he doesn't have a starting spot. So uh, feel free to address those two things in either order. Yeah, we'll start out with Joey Hobart. I think he's probably going to be the first guy off the bench on the inside. Um, And I don't think that's a knock on him as much as Travell Harris and Renard Bell are really, really good for this offense. And they have a lot of experience. I mean, both of those guys are super fast. Um, Bell, in particular, is really smart in limited space on how to get an angle. Um, he's a super underrated red zone threat. Um, and you know, Travell Harris is just phenomenal as far as the athleticism he brings to the table. Um, you know, and I think Hobart, he's got time. I think he'll, if there's any backup receiver who sees a fair amount of snaps and production over the course of the year, I think it'll be him. Uh, but yeah. I'm not expecting him to get a ton of playing time this year. Um, I mean, Rolovich really fed four guys last year uh, at uh, Hawaii. And I don't know if it was a substitution that, that got their other guys involved or if it was like someone got hurt and missed a game and they became one of the four. Um, so that, when it comes to like, will these guys lose a step late uh, with all the sprinting that you're doing over the course of a game uh, in the air raid, if you're doing you know, 50, 60 pass plays, because some of the runs are going to be you know, scrambles where the quarterback takes off, I don't think you're going to be as fast the 50th or 60th time you do that as opposed to how fast you are in the first quarter. So I'd prefer more of a rotation. Uh, but, you know, Rolovich has also been incredibly successful with it. So we shall see. Now, is there any consideration that perhaps the reason Rolovich relied so much on his top four 
is perhaps maybe there's like a drop at Hawaii. There's a big drop in talent from four to five, or were his guys all pretty similarly ranked, but he just had his favorites? I think, I mean, Rolovich has said, like, he doesn't substitute the way that Leach does. That's something, I think it's philosophical. Um, it may have also been practical, but I think he believes in these are your guys, and we go with them, which is very common uh, in the coaching world. Um, Leach really is an anomaly as far as that go, you know goes, where you know a backup's still going to get like Gabe's Mark Gabe's Gabe Marks's backups were still getting like twenty percent of the snaps. Um, mm-hmm. Gabe Marks is the best receiver in conference history. Um, production wise. So I think it's more of a philosophy on his part where he just wants his guys to be and and some of it probably is you need quarterback and receiver to be so in sync. And the less substitution and and all that fun stuff. I mean the quarterback should know where his receivers are going to be because he needs to know. Um, and he needs to know how those receivers are going to see the field. Um, because you're making a split-second decision that you both have to be on the same page or else it goes really, really bad. Right. Well, that kind of leads into the next question about the beautiful-to-ugly uh, beautiful play ratio. Um, you know, obviously, when an offense like this is in sync, it's amazing to watch. You know, everything kind of flows and feels, like, choreographed. It's just got that nice aesthetic feel to it. Um, but those split-second communications do make things look terrible. So that's something we should be looking for is the beautiful-to-ugly play ratio. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it might be, it might not be great today, but I, I, I think maybe the goal is just to slowly improve on that all season. Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think today it's seeing flashes of what can come uh, once this offense really gets going. Um, more than it is like, wow, we're going to watch this offense just humming along and scoring 50, 60 points a game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll kind of keep track, you know, if there's a ball thrown and it's like, where the heck was the receiver supposed to be? Somebody was not, you know, miscommunicating on that, obviously. Um, versus like, wow, it didn't look like there was a window, but we hit the guy and he, he went for 50 yards because it allowed him to to run after the catch, you know, just perfectly. Those plays are great. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so so let's hop over to the other side of the ball. Uh, Ron Stone and Willie Taylor will be putting their hand in the dirt more this year. It's kind of a new thing for, for our two most talented defensive ends. So um, what kind of impact do you think they can have, and what like how do you feel like that change in technique is going to affect their productivity? You know, I don't have an idea on how it's going to play out. It's just more of a curiosity. Um, I, I think, I mean, they could they could really take to it, or they could, it could completely mess them up. <laughs> um, which is a, a nice way of saying I don't know. Yeah. Um, basically, so basically, watching. it's going to be awful or great. Yeah. And maybe or, in between. Yeah, or, or in between. It could be. It could, it's going to be something. Feeling, feeling like it. Mitch Hedberg there. They either loved us or hated us or thought we were okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, sorry, I'll let you go on on that unless you want me to move on. No, to the next. I, mean, I think we kind of get into the passing defense, um, which was awful at times last year where we gave up humongous plays. 
And uh, fortunately, Oregon State is breaking in a new quarterback and loses their top wide receiver. Right. So, you know, how do you feel about that, Brett? Well, uh, honestly, I think the uh, I think I'm not scared of the Oregon State um, passing offense, but maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just not giving our our defense low enough expectations. Um, but Oregon State has been bad at passing the ball for years. I mean, what Jake Luton has been their 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 best. Uh, has been their best quarterback. I mean, Jake Luton is not good. <laughs> he is a very bad quarterback. Uh, so I think the thing is them having a new quarterback, maybe it's better by default because Luton, for whatever reason, I don't know why he would manage to hang on to that job that long. And my thought would be that maybe it's because the people behind him are bad. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe it turns out they've just been misevaluating, and suddenly this new quarterback can play. Um, and they have speed at the wide receiver position, as you mentioned. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it kind of feels to me like if the passing defense, today, we should be ready to give up a lot of passing yards all year. Yeah. No, that's I'm in complete agreement on that. I think. Um, they're going to be running a lot of Jamar Jefferson at us. I mean, I think if he gets rolling, um, we'll have to sell out and commit that. But um, with some of these new defensive backs, particularly Jalen Watson, who was a JC guy who had signed with USC um, but didn't make the grades and then got his grades in order and we had a spot for him, um, <clears throat> he, he's a very big and physical corner. Um, who's capable of playing at a top school, if he's really able to just man up on some of these guys and, and maul these smaller receivers at the line, um, that will probably bode well for our pass defense for the year. Um, and we can also see what Shaw Smith and uh, Wade will do at corner, uh, true freshman. Um, if that's looking good, I think, you know, we won't be abysmal this year, which is important. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, it seems like it seems like pass defense, like secondary play, has been a bugaboo for the Cougs for years and years and years. So just even a, a slight improvement there would feel like I don't know. Would just be a lot more fun to watch. Um, so let's move on to number nine here before jumping to score predictions. See if we can keep this around a half hour since we're recording this on game day. Want to keep the attention of our uh, handful of listeners. Um, but you mentioned that Oregon State has some uh, some they have some familiarity with defending the run and shoot. Uh, they played Hawaii last year. OSU kind of knows what Rolovich likes to do. Um, so maybe you get a small preview of how teams will defend against this this offense as they develop familiarity with it. I mean, what's your expectation for OSU's defense against our offense tonight? You know, I I don't know. Oregon State's not very good defensively. Um, they were worse than we were last year defensively. Um, so, unfortunately, it's an offense where, you know, the best defense uh, against the run and shoot is an offense that can't execute. Uh, and, and I really hope we don't run into that tonight. Um, 
you know, it'll, it'll be interesting if they seem to know what they're doing and they can make it really difficult for us as a result of, of having a good game plan. Uh, I think that's going to make it for things to be difficult. Um, but if we just are confusing them and we're in sync, I think we got a good shot tonight. All right, well, let's get to how, how you see this one going then. Uh, I see your final score prediction here, but but talk me through it. How, how are they going to get there? Well, I think uh, Jamar Jefferson is going to be a, a handful for the Cougs all night. Um, and is going to keep... It's going to really allow them to not have to take a lot of chances in the passing game. Um, Oregon State runs a lot of misdirection on their offense. Um, you know, screens, things of that nature. And I think in a first game... They're going to score uh, 34 points against us. And I think on the flip side of things, you will see some, I predict, two very, very nice touchdown plays where we're really pumped at how quickly we scored. Uh, But ultimately, the offense will just not quite be in sync after it. And we're going to score 24, um, which is going to give Oregon State a 10-point win. Um, And this I did before Max Borgie was out. Um, and I think that's just a much heavier, much heavier climb unless Dion and McIntosh really give something out of the running game today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I made a prediction talking with another friend uh, a couple days ago with the implication that Max Borgie would be playing. Obviously, that that makes a, a big difference. Um, I do think we are going to run some points up on Oregon State. Um, I do think Oregon State is going to score more points than we are happy with. It's going to be very frustrating because we know Oregon State can't really throw the ball, and for years they've been kind of the also-ran in the Pac-12 North. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you that we're going to give up 34 points. But you know what? I'm feeling in a good mood today, and I'm going to stick with my prediction from our you know, hopefully not lost, but maybe lost episode, uh, that we are going to take this one, and it's going to be one that has you uh, holding on to your butt all night. It's going to be a 35-34 to 34 win for WSU. Um, and, and, you know, I was already predicting that with when I expected Max Borgie to play, so, you know, they're going to have to pull something out of nowhere. But like I said, I'm in a good mood. I'm going to stay optimistic. It's a good day. Um, so so let's let's see them pull out the 35-34 victory and surprise everybody. I love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Sticking with I, my heart. <laughs> no, that's that's very good. I, I personally am thinking that may just be a, a tall order, but I certainly would love to do it. It would certainly help in recruiting and, um, you know, help keep Oregon State from getting any momentum under Jonathan Smith and start to kind of break that culture they've changed around there. Yeah, the uh, the culture that's taken them from losing all the time to just losing a majority of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be good on a lot of levels. Um, here's to hoping, huh? Absolutely. Well, Brent, uh, thanks for joining me. I'll, I'll let you go and and tend to the little one. Um, and yeah, let's let's uh, let's have a good time watching the Cougs tonight. Let's hope they surprise us, or at the very least, give us something to. Um, cheer for whether it's a win or not just give us something Um, it's good to have Pac-12 football back it's good to be able to to root for our favorite colors and logo again Um, 
So I, I figure I'll give you the last word like I usually do. What do you want to leave our listeners with? I think college football is back. A win or a loss really wouldn't be a shock uh, because college football is crazy this year. We already saw uh, a USC-Arizona State game where it looked like Arizona State you know, had that one wrapped up where they were up with three minutes to go by two scores and USA came back to win it. So, right. I wish I had not uh, uh, hopped on Fortnite with a couple of buddies at that point. I thought it was over. And then yeah, you tell me the finish was crazy, and I see that USC won. So, <laughs> Yeah, onside kickback and everything. I mean, uh, the potential for weird this week is astronomical. Um, the potential and... for weird might be the Cougs' best hope this year, but please, go on. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's it just could be weird. It could be really bad. It, I mean, there is really no outcome that would, like, shock me. Um, you know, we could blow them out. They could blow us out. It could be a really close game that we win. It could be a close game that we lose. Um, it could be a comfortable win, but not really a blowout for either team. It just who knows? And I'm looking more toward how does the team play? How do they look? Are they crisp? I'm, I'm, they confident, I'm confident in making one prediction. Um, it's that... They will play football. Yes, that's that's about as uh, as definitive as I would like to get beyond my pie in the sky score prediction. Well, we have four and a half hours before we get to kick off. Yeah, and hopefully, so you're, you're hopefully, hopefully by the time people are listening, we have about four to three and a half hours. I'd love to get this out there for all the Coog fans to consume. Uh, so, so I'm gonna thank you for joining me once again. Here, it's always fun. Uh, Let's try to do this again as often as possible throughout the season. Uh, And until next time, go Cougs. Go Cougs.